Well, good evening. Welcome to Faith Baptist Church live stream. So good to have you here. I wish we could have you in the house, but it is what it is. Just glad to have you here to be a part of the service. Normally, we start out our Wednesday nights with some prayer requests and everybody shares some needs. And I'm not going to do that tonight. I'm not going to call out any of the names, but I do want to give you a couple of things. If you have a prayer request, or you have a prayer need, if you'll call the church office, 706-884-3100, and call between the hours of 8 a.m. and 1.30 p.m. Talk to Miss Sylvia. Go ahead and get your prayer request put on the prayer list so that we'll have it. Um, it it's certainly a great way for us to know the people that are in need and won't need to pray about. And also, please, if you would, make sure that you use your prayer list during this time. Since you're not here in the building on Wednesdays or Sundays, you don't get to pick up one of the prayer lists out of the, out of the foyer. You don't get to see them. But the prayer list is on the website, same place you probably came to right now, faiththegrange.com, or um, if you got the app downloaded, however you got here. But if you go to faiththegrange.com, when you open our home page, page, top right corner, click on Menu and scroll down to Resources. Click on Resources, and at the bottom right there, it'll say Prayer List. Please open the prayer list. Please take a look. There are some people on there that are sick. There are some, some marriages that need some help. There are some children that need some help. There there's some situations, and they're counting on you and I to pray. So I would, I would encourage you to please make sure each morning that you navigate your way to that and open it up, and let's be in earnest prayer for them. Also, Sunday morning, I'd like to remind you this week, we obviously, um, from what I'm seeing, we're not going to be able to have services here in the sanctuary again, but we will be having live stream. And, and I want to go ahead and remind you, at 9.30 live stream will begin with Sunday school. We'll do something very similar to last week. Last week at 9.30, Brother Jason Ritter, um, teacher of the Rock Sunday School class, brought the adult lesson. This coming Sunday, it'll be Brother Ben Sheroic. Um, he is the teacher of the Cornerstone Sunday School class. And he'll be bringing a, a lesson for one of the adult classes. And then following that, Pastor Brandon Haskett, our um, high school pastor, We'll be bringing a lesson in there. It'll be, of course, for anybody. It's going to be a lesson from the Word of God, but it'll be kind of focused towards teenagers. Please be there for that. And immediately behind that, I'm almost scared to say it, the Treehouse Children's Ministry will be doing something else for the children. I'm hoping I don't wind up on the end of a fish hook again wearing waders. But uh, I will say this in my defense. I did put up a good fight. If you watched that thing and noticed, I broke the line the first time. I was trying to get away, but... They caught me the second time, but you never know what those guys are going to be doing. And the only way you're going to get to see the children's lesson is to tune in, 9.30. They should come on about, oh, probably a little after 10. And the only way to see it is if you tune in. And uh, Mom and Dad, I know we're doing it for the children, but I know you're going to tune in and watch. Just make sure you remember to let the children watch it with you and be here. Right after that, we will start the service here. We'll have a couple of announcements for you, and we'll probably try to share some things about the Easter play. We are still planning on doing He's Alive. Uh, everybody from, I heard y'all. I heard them. You're here in Philip. I heard them all the way here, man. Joseph, you hear that? Everybody give a big old round of a cheer. We're still planning on doing He's Alive. There's no way we can know the dates yet. Little brother Larry heard it. He ain't coming in potent. I got four in the house now, but we're 100 feet apart, so y'all don't worry about it. We're within code. Um... But we, we do still plan on doing He's Alive. So, Faith, remember your parts. Keep your excitement up. Keep your prayer. Y'all notice I got my starter kit going again. I shaved it off last week, but I started back on it four or five days ago. So um, maybe the end of the month, maybe even into the first of May. I'm not sure when all this will break up, but I, I do believe that God's going to move this out of the way, and I think some people are going to be as excited about being here as we are about doing it. So certainly be kind of remembering your parts there. And 
Um, I didn't mean to get into all that. I was telling you we were going to do announcements on Sunday, so I might as well go do them Wednesday night, right? Um, tonight, I do want you to know as well, I hope all of you will stay here because I don't really want to lose any one of you, but we do have our full complement of services going on here tonight. If you're normally in Awana, that's birth through fifth grade. Awana has a live stream going on now for the children. If you're normally in Emerge, which is our sixth, seventh, and eighth middle school ministry, Brother Jason Ritter has a live stream going for Emerge right now. If you're normally in our high school, which is our focus group, Pastor Brandon Haskett, have, ninth through 12th grade, has a, a lesson going right now. If you're normally in Bridge, which is our college and career, Pastor Dale Prather, he's downstairs live stream right now. And of course, here we are in the main sanctuary. So we have the full complement of services going tonight. So whatever your age group is, if you'll tune into that, and certainly uh, well, you don't have to be age appropriate. You can stay right here. I'll be glad to have you. But tonight we're going to continue our study. We've been in the book of 2 Corinthians. This is actually the 38th lesson from the book of 2 Corinthians. Now, I tell you, please, if you haven't been here, don't, don't turn me off right there. Don't think you're missing something. Well, you missed first 37 lessons. You write it off. Every one of the lessons, although we're studying through a book, every single lesson in the Word of God is, is for today. So tonight's lesson's for tonight. It's not like a continuing part, and you've missed out. You've got to go anywhere else. Now, if you do want to see some of the other studies, maybe you work in Awana on Wednesday. If you do, thank you so much for your dedication, your hard work, all that you do. Maybe you work in some of the other programs to help Jason with the merge, the high schoolers. Whatever you do that keeps you from watching them, you can tune into faithofgrange.com, and you can click on media. You can watch any of the services that we do here at Faith. You can watch any Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday night. Anything that we do is there. So if you've missed some of the studies from 2 Corinthians and want to go back and catch a week, they're certainly all there. Um, when you click on media, you just click back, and they're all on Vimeo. It's not that hard. You can find your way through it. But tonight, tonight we, we're going to start back here in 2 Corinthians, pick up in chapter number 11. In our last lesson, we looked at the sufferings that Paul mentioned, beginning in verse number 24. He said, Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day have I been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. And that's where we're going to start focusing tonight there at verse number 26, verse 27, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Father God, thank you so much for this precious book. Thank you for, for this word that you gave us, God. Thank you for the letter that you penned through the hand of the Apostle Paul. Lord, you 2,000 years ago, you had this letter mailed over to the church at Corinth, but you've preserved it for all that time, and you've, you've sent us a personal love letter right here to Faith Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia, and to everyone that's tuned in tonight. God, I pray you take something from your book. I ask you to speak through the airways. God, I thank you for your presence in this building, God. Lord, it just seems like a, another day standing here on this platform. God, I, I feel your presence, and Lord, I thank you for it. And I pray that that same presence would minister out through the airways to whoever's there, God, for anybody that's hurting, anybody that feels hopeless, anybody that needs help, anybody that's sick. God, whatever the need is tonight, I ask you, would you reach through and touch it? But Father, I pray you'd open your word up tonight and make it real that we might hear it and learn something from it that would make us a better servant for you, God. We love you, we thank you, and we praise you in the precious holy name of Jesus. Amen. So Paul says here in this passage that he's been in three shipwrecks. 
But if you remember, I told you last time when Paul wrote this letter, he, he hadn't even been in his most famous shipwreck yet. He hasn't been a prisoner to Rome. So we know that the shipwreck where the ship was torn apart and everybody swam ashore and then the barbarians helped them out and Paul's gathering firewood and got bitten by the viper and shook it off in the fire. If you remember the last time I told you, that shipwreck hasn't happened yet. But he says already when he's writing this that three times I've been in a shipwreck. Um, you know, if you think about... Honestly, some of, some of the most exciting movies, some of the most exciting stories, whether truth or fiction, a lot of them involve things about shipwrecks. They involve things in the water. Water just produces a lot of perilous situations. You think about that movie about the Titanic, certainly a sad movie. It has some couple of inappropriate scenes in it, but all in all, um, it's, it's a pretty good movie. It's a it's a look back at one of the great tragedies of history, but then you got some movies that are fiction. Tom Hanks plays in that one, I think it's called Castaway, where the plane crashes in, FedEx or somebody, and they got all the packages. If you've seen it, he ends up stranded on an island. You got movies like Kong, you know, where those scientists go out in those weird-looking islands. You got all those prehistoric animals. I mean, there, there's just a lot of things involving the sea and, and the shorelines and natives. on the, 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 I mean, Gilligan's Island was, was about the sea. You know, everything's got to be good by the ocean, right? They set out for a three-hour tour. Ain't that right, Philip? They set out for a three-hour tour and it turns into several years on a desert isle. Paul faced a lot of uncertainties at sea. Sea travel can, can certainly have its challenges, but today's ships are pretty sturdy and they got an awful lot of equipment. In Paul's day, that wasn't the case. It was perilous at best. I mean, every time Paul got on a boat to go somewhere, there was no guarantee that he would get to where he was going. They might have to pull up somewhere short, and there was no guarantee, as you can see from the shipwrecks, that he wouldn't wind up in the water. They didn't have all the navigation like we have today. They had to stay either in sight of some type of land, or they had to get some stars ahead of them. But you get a cloud bank roll in, you get some clouds, a cloudy day, you get some rain moves in. All of a sudden, they don't have sight. They don't know where they are. They didn't have any sonar to tell them the depth of the water. They didn't know if they were running up on shallow ground. They had to drop like an anchor, a piece of lead on a rope that they dropped in, and that's how they would tell how deep the water is. So, so just traveling by sea is a very perilous time. Now, if you look at the Apostle Paul, and you look in, in the Acts of the Apostles, the book of Acts written by Luke, if you take just what Luke talks about in the book of Acts, you didn't take anything else, and you took just Acts, Paul traveled nearly 7,000 miles by ship in some perilous times. Paul says that, that I have been in some perilous times, but he says that in a shipwreck, I ended up in the sea. I was in the sea a night and a day. Now, you know, I tried to fathom that. I was trying to think of that today. I was trying to think my way through it, and to be honest, there's no reason to. The Bible doesn't give us enough information but I'm thinking, number one, how does he end up in the sea? Is that one of the same shipwrecks? Is that a different shipwreck? What happened? Was, you know, was there a storm? Was the ship, obviously something was torn apart. Paul had to float on something. He's in the sea all night and all day. And I'm thinking, how, do, how does he end up in the sea? But then even more so, how does he get rescued? There wasn't any radar sent out. There wasn't anybody seeing it. There wasn't like a, a mayday, a SOS, whatever that is. He's just there. And, and he's in the sea all night and all day, and, and apparently, uh, I guess I can just assume that another ship somehow passed by, sees him in the water, and, and gets him out. Maybe somehow he 
made it to get to shore. I don't know, but I do know one thing. That would have been enough for this old boy to stay on the land. I don't know if there was other people around, if he was out there in the sea by himself, everybody else drowned. All I know is if I've already been in three shipwrecks, and now I've spent all night and all day, and God made a way to send somebody to get me, that's good enough for me. I'm through. My sailing days is over. That's, that's God telling me to keep my feet on dry. I mean, that's like being one of the survivors of the Titanic and getting on another cruise ship. But this one, it just ain't going to happen. The bottom line is nothing deterred the Apostle Paul. He said, I was in perils by sea, was in a shipwreck. What did he do when he got, got back to land? He got on another ship. Nothing deterred the Apostle Paul from telling a lost and dying world about a Jesus Christ that died to save them. Paul was a man that meant business. Paul was, was in it for keepsakes. Paul was in it for the glory of God and so that others might see Christ in him. Then in verse 26, Paul goes on. He says, in journeyings often. I told you in the Acts of the Apostles where Luke wrote that, that we can gather that Paul traveled nearly 7,000 miles by sea, but also just in the writings of Luke from the book of Acts, we know that Paul walked nearly 6,000 miles by land. Just walking, that's 13,000 miles of traveling. To be honest, that probably barely scratches the surface to all the miles that he traveled. See, Paul began preaching at the moment he was saved. You remember the story, the road to Damascus. He met Jesus Christ face to face. He was blinded, had the scales on his eyes. He goes to Damascus, and, and once he receives his sight, immediately Paul begins preaching. And as soon as he began preaching, the Jews set out to kill him. So Paul left, and he went to Arabia. And Paul stayed for a season. There was some solitude. He spent some time alone as he stayed there. But then he went back to Damascus. Once he got back to Damascus, he began preaching again, and the Jews set out to kill him again. So Paul left, and he went to Jerusalem. Now, when he got to Jerusalem, he met Barnabas. When he met Barnabas, Barnabas introduced him to Peter and the other apostles, and, and he begins preaching there at Jerusalem, but he didn't get to stay a little more than a couple of weeks, and Paul had to leave again. Paul's in a bad spot. He loves Jerusalem, but he can't stay there because the Jews hated him, and the Christians didn't trust him. I mean, why would they? He's the chief persecutor of the Christian church. He's the one that's been dragging them, putting them in prison, even killing some of them. So he, he heads out onto a missionary journey. He set out and he went to Tarsus, where he was originally from. And he went to another region of Antioch. Then he went back to Jerusalem, then to another region of Antioch. He went to Cyprus, to Salamis, to Paphos, to Persia, Pamphylia, Iconium, Lystra, Derbe. That's just a few of the places looking through the Acts of the Apostles and, and trying to study it, where all Paul went. That's just a few of the places that he went on his first missionary journey. But then he left out on his second missionary journey. He went to Galatia, Phrygia, Mycenae, Troas, Neapolis, Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, went to Athens, Corinth, Caesarea, and then he went to Syria and Antioch. And then there's a third missionary journey. So Paul is always out. He's always going. He says there were some perilous times in my journeyings. I, I ran into some hard situation. Bottom line is there was no rest for the Apostle Paul. He is always on the go. He spent his life. He didn't waste any of his time. He spent his life telling people about Jesus Christ. Verse 26, he goes on, and he says, in perils of water. Now, remember, there's more than one type of water. We've already looked at the shipwreck, but the water here is actually talking about things like rivers. Um, it's talking about things like floods from rainwaters. The Greek word is potamos. It literally means rivers of water or flooded waters. 
Apparently, what Paul has in mind is the many dangerous situations that he's run into while trying to cross rivers and cross maybe through some valleys that were flooded by some rainwaters, and, and he's run into some, you know, you can't cross any river just anywhere. I mean, you get to the mighty Mississippi, you'll go find you a bridge if you want to get to the other side. You don't just walk up to the Mississippi with that huge, massive body of, of flowing water and walk over to, over to the other side. Well, in Paul's day, rivers would be the same way. You just don't come up to a river and cross it wherever you happen to come up. There's only certain places that you could ford over a river, and that would be wherever some rocks or some shallow waters were. But normally, if you take a big river and you condense it down to shallower, then the water is also faster, which means it's a little more treacherous. Some rivers can't be crossed during certain times of year. You get in the rainy season, you get waters coming down, and it doesn't matter if this is where you normally ford the river or cross the river. You're not going to do it at certain times of year. But even in the time of year, maybe in the dry season when you could normally cross, you get a rain where you are, even a rain up in the mountains, a rain upstream and water coming down. And now you're trying to cross a river that has been swollen by some rain that you might not have even seen. But either way, it sets up these perilous situations trying to cross over. Paul says, I found myself in a lot of dangerous situations trying to cross through some water. But then he says, in perils of robbers. Man, as if it's not bad enough, you, you get on the sea and you, all the things that you face there, then you get on land and you think about crossing the rivers, but even without getting to the rivers, he says, I, I got to deal with these robbers. I got to deal with these thieves. You know, the pathways in that day were full of robbers. Any of you watched the old Western movies, you had the people hide out behind the rocks, you know, and the families come along with their little wagons and they ambush them and take all their stuff. Robbers was a real deal, especially out in the open areas along the pathways. These guys would hide out, and as people come, they, they would catch innocent travelers, and, and they would beat them, sometimes even kill them, and they would take everything that they owned. They didn't care if the people were hurt. These, these were brutal thieves along the trail. Jesus talked about them. Remember when he gave the, the story of the good Samaritan? He talked about the priest and the Levite to pass on the other side, and the Samaritan come by and took him up. Luke chapter 10 and verse 30, Jesus said that a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. So he's talking about a pathway that many men traveled all the time, when one the apostle Paul would have traveled on. And on this pathway, it says that he fell among thieves. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul is talking about here, these thieves. It says, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. That was the norm for that day. That was the norm along these pathways. So every time Paul went out, you get across the river, you ain't escaped anything yet. You've still got to get through some dark areas and the places where all the thieves are at along the travel routes. And then, as if the thieves aren't bad enough, then Paul says that he's in peril by his own countrymen. His own nation hated him. His own people hated him. I told you as soon as the Apostle Paul got his sight back there at Damascus, as soon as he could see again, he went and started preaching. And man, when he went and started preaching, it was amazing. The people, the Bible says, were confounded because here's this man who was one of the chief leaders of those that persecuted the Christian church and beaten Christians, and here he is preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's a man that we've heard. He's coming. He's got letters from the high governor to take prisoners and 
or take Christians and make them prisoners, put them in chains, even kill them if necessary. And this is what they're expecting. And this man comes and he walks up and he starts preaching the blood of Jesus Christ. He starts preaching the forgiveness of a sovereign God. He starts preaching that you can be saved from your sin. It's the last thing they expected. So when Paul comes back to the synagogue to preach again, the place is packed out. Nobody can get in. Everybody's heard about what Paul did in the day before. And they come in, but the Jews have heard about it too. And so his own countrymen said, no, we can't have this guy here and the Jews, the bible tells us that the jews took counsel to kill him so then after his own countrymen paul says he's in peril by the heathen his own people don't like him and the heathen don't like him now the heathen almost certainly here would have been referring to anyone that is non-hebrew or non-jewish it would have certainly been talking about the gentiles because the word that paul uses here also translates to the word foreigners. So we're clearly not talking about Jew. We're, we're not talking about the Hebrew nation. What we can see is that many times the, the Jewish religious leaders, you know, they would pay Gentiles to do their dirty work. You know, they were caught up in their super spiritual selves, calling themselves holy, as Jesus called them, whited sepulchers. You men do appear beautiful on the outside, but inside and full of dead man's bones, call them hypocrites. What they would do in their, in their super spiritual self when they needed some dirty work done, they would go pay Gentiles to come and do the dirty work for them. That's what they did with Jesus. They, they paid Gentiles. They paid people to come and bring false testimony. They, pray, they paid people to, to raise false witness. They, they used the Romans, the Gentile rule, to crucify Jesus. It's the same thing. And Paul said, I, I had to deal with that also. He said, I had to deal with um, peril by the heathen, then you take situations like Paul had at Philippi. You remember Philippi, there was that young girl that was demon-possessed, and, and Paul did her a great deed. He cast the demon out. He gave that young girl her freedom. He gave her her life back. There should have been great rejoicing in that town. There should have been celebration all over town that this demon has been cast out, and this precious little girl has her life back. There should have been rejoicing, but unfortunately, there were some rich men in that town, and as usual, some rich men usually have some pull. They have some power. They have some authority. They have some people in their pocket that have been bought out, but the reason they were wealthy is because they used that little girl in soothsaying. They used the demons that was in her to gain personal gain for themselves, so they're ticked off with the apostles. Paul, because he's cast a demon, what should have been a time of great joy and great celebration, the heathen turned it into a time when they set out to have Paul cast out of the city, so they didn't want him there. You look in Acts chapter 19, uh, there in the city of Ephesus, they were worshipers of the great goddess Diana, and you had the big the big statue of Diana, and everybody in their homes would have had their little shrines, their little trinkets set up. They'd have their little silver image of Diana. The apostle Paul walks in into Ephesus, and he says, hey, Jesus Christ is God and God alone. Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. He's the one that died on Calvary's cross. He's the creator of the universe. You worship this false goddess, Diana. She's nothing but silver. She's nothing but man-made stuff. And begin to preach against the false god. And because of that, people begin to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And people stop buying their little trinkets. They stop buying those little silver figurines of Diana. So the silversmiths over here, they say, hey, who, who is this guy? I mean, we were doing just fine. We're selling a lot of little silver things. We're making a lot of money. And now all of a sudden, nobody's buying Diana, and it's cutting into their pocketbook. So they, too, turned against Paul. So once again, we see the heathen. We see the Gentile world turns against Paul. 
You think about the times when Paul would have been chained to a Roman guard, when Paul would have been a prisoner. He says, in peril by the heathen, the Roman guards would have been Gentiles, would have been heathen. Now, let me just go ahead and tell you, when you were a prisoner and you were chained to a Roman guard, they didn't chain you to them so the guard could protect you. They weren't in it for your best interest. They weren't in it to make sure that nobody harmed you. They didn't give a two cents if you lived or died. Matter of fact, they were very brutal. In many cases, they even would beat a prisoner to the point that the prisoner would die. You know, Romans were very well known for their harsh punishment and the types of things that they brought against people, the, the brutality that they had. But then Paul says, not only my own countrymen, not only with the heathen, but Paul says that I was in peril in the city. You think, man, maybe if you get to a city, there's some population around, there's some people around, and, and that'd be a good place to hide. But that's not reality. The city is a wicked place. That was true then. That's true now. The, the city um, has always been a place of wickedness. Now, I'm not going to take time tonight to go over all the cities of the Bible. This would be a good study for you. Go over the cities and start with cities like Sodom and Gomorrah. Go on back to Genesis. Go on back to before the days of Noah when God destroyed the earth. Go back and look at the cities. Look throughout the times. Look all the way back to the first city back in Genesis. And what you'll find out is, is a city is normally a place of, of wickedness. It is this place of concentrated wickedness where so much comes together. You have drugs and idolatry. You have all of these drunken parties going on in town and, and homosexuality and perverted lifestyles and, and all manner of filth and all manner of, of garbage going on. Places like that would be a very dangerous place for a man like the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul isn't coming in to come to your drunken party. The Apostle Paul isn't coming in to pat you on the back and tell you, oh, you're socially accepted in homosexuality. The Apostle Paul walked in the city and said, you're living in sin. You're living in iniquity. Sin is still sin. Jesus Christ died on Calvary's cross to forgive you of your sin. You can be forgiven of your sins, but you've got to trust Jesus Christ right now. Without the blood of Jesus Christ, you're going to die in your sin, and any man that dies in his sin is going to go to hell. You think about coming into a city of all of the idolatry and all the wickedness and all that's going on, and the apostle comes in, and he starts preaching the truth. The city became a very dangerous place for a man like the Apostle Paul. The Roman soldiers, you know, this is a Roman-controlled world that he's in. And Roman soldiers would have been in every city. They would have been gathered all around. They would have been oppressing people and, and beating people down. You know, there, there was a lot of people in that day that would have been sick and diseased. Some were blind. Some were lame and couldn't walk. The Romans didn't care about those people. They were, they were cast out and treated like dogs. And whether they lived or died made no difference. But then Paul comes in and Paul looks at the cripple and Paul looks at the blind and Paul looks at the one who's hurting and Paul looks at the one who's hungry and says I want you to know there's a God that loves you he gave his only begotten son in Jesus Christ there's a God who cares about you Paul came into these Roman controlled cities and he said there's one greater than Caesar Caesar may be king over Rome but he has nothing here there's one much greater than Caesar that sent his son for your behalf as a matter of fact let me tell you about a kingdom Rome thinks they got it going on because they control the cities but there's a kingdom that's greater than the kingdom of Rome. Can I tell you, the cities would have been a very dangerous place for a man like the Apostle Paul. When Paul came into a city, knowing what he's about to preach, to, knowing what he's about to share, knowing those that are around him, what he's about to give to them, Paul had no way of knowing when he walked into a city to preach the truth whether he would walk out of that city alive again. But then he says, in perils in the wilderness. 
Man, I can only imagine the number of instances that Paul must have gotten into in the wilderness. You know, David talks about killing the lion and the bear with, with his sling, so we know there's lion and bears, and we know the Bible talks about wolves among the sheep, so there's wolves. So Paul says, when, when I was in the wilderness, there was some perilous times. That tells me Paul might have been challenged by some bears, and maybe it was wolves, maybe it's wild dogs. I, I don't know what it was. He doesn't expound on it. He doesn't give us great detail, but what he does say is that when I was in the wilderness, yeah, I saw some things that, that were scary. I saw some things that were very trying. There was perils in the wilderness. And then it's almost like he says, you know, while I'm thinking about being in the wilderness, and while I'm thinking about them, them wolves and bears and stuff, that reminds me of some perils in the sea too. Boy, it's a good thing he ain't seen Jaws yet. At least he didn't have that in the back of his mind. He thought, you know, I was a night and a day in the sea. He knew what a shark was. He might not have dun, 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 dun. He might not have seen the movie yet, but he fully understood what a shark was. And he fully understood what they could do. And so Paul's thinking about the wilderness. <laughs> Phillip's back there jawing me, man. Um, it's funny. It's great when you got a whole church yourself. What do you think, Joseph? We're doing all right? All, all three of us in here. Paul, Paul says, man, come to think about being in the wilderness. There were some pretty wild animals out there in the sea, too. I've been in some perilous times. But then at the end of verse number 26, he says that he's been in perils among false brethren. <clears throat> you know, in Paul's day, the apostle Paul was just telling the truth. He wasn't cutting any corners. He wasn't making any stuff up. He wasn't exaggerating anything. He wasn't trying to make anything something that it's not. Paul was simply telling the truth. He was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was telling all of them about the day I was on the way to Damascus. Now, I was lost and headed to hell. I was lost in my sin, and I met a man named Jesus Christ who forgave me of all my sins and old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm a new creature in Christ. He's just telling the truth. Every city that I named earlier in his, in his journeys, in his missionary, every city Paul had converts. <laughs> every city that he went in, he led people to Jesus Christ. And, and there were saints came out of sinners. Every city that he went in, he started a church, and he put someone over it. So all Paul is doing is going, and he's preaching the truth of the gospel. And because of that, there are Christians in every city. But one thing that was the same then is the true now. There's a lot of people who will go to church and call themselves Christians. They're not Christians. Christian shows up in the fruit of who you are. I'm not being judgmental, man. I'm just preaching the book for a minute. Christianity shows up in your fruit, not in your words. If Christ is living in somebody, you, you can't hide it. You don't want to hide it. You want everybody to see it. And if Christ isn't living in somebody, well, I'm not, I'm not going to get off. That's a different message. We'll preach out in different. There were many in the churches here in this day, and that's what Paul is addressing at Corinth. That's what instigated this letter. There's some people there who are false Christians. They are pretenders, and, and they've moved into the church. <laughs> and what they do is they come into the church, and they cause dissension among the fellowship. They sow discord amongst the brethren. Paul said, I've, I've been in, in peril against people like that, that are coming in trying to sow this discord. You know, what would happen, Paul would go in, he'd preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He would tell people the truth, and he'd tell them about the freedom of God 
through the blood of Jesus Christ, and people become true converts. They become truly saved, truly washed in the blood, their name written down in glory. But then these people would come in behind them pretending to be Christians, and they would preach legalism. You know, you got to do it this way, and you got to do it that way, and you can't do it this way. They, they would try to hold people into the bondage of legalism. They tried to hold people into the bondage of rituals. They tried to hold people into the bondage of the law. Remember, Christ came to fulfill the law. We are now free in Christ. John chapter 8, verse 36, Jesus himself said, If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. The Apostle Paul came in teaching them about freedom. So you had these, these part-time Christians or these pretenders coming in behind him saying, Oh, no, you still got to be circumcised. You still got to keep the law. You, you still got to do this. Paul says, I faced a lot of peril in my life. I faced a lot of peril just for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have faced a lot of peril just for going out and telling a lost world that there's a better way. I faced peril just because I went out and tried to tell them that, that Jesus Christ is sufficient. The grace of God through Jesus Christ is sufficient for your sin. It is sufficient. It is the only way to salvation. I, I faced a lot of perils. The word that Paul uses there is kendunos. It simply means danger. Paul says, I've been in danger everywhere I've been. I've been in danger in the city. I've been in danger on the highways. I've been in danger in the wilderness. I've been in danger in the river. I've been in danger in the rain-flooded valleys. I've been in danger of the sea. I've been in danger by the people that are supposed to be my family members. I've been in danger by people that are from the other side don't like me. Paul says, everywhere that I go, I've been in danger. But the grace of God is sufficient. Verse 27, Paul goes from physical dangers, and he goes on to deprivations. Um, or, or doing without. It's still a type of danger, but he kind of changes the context. So what I want to do is just leave off there at verse 26 and pick up at verse 27, Lord willing. Um, we'll pick up at verse 27 the next time. But as I told you, every night has its own lesson. Um, here, here's a lesson for me for tonight. Here, here's what I see from the Apostle Paul in, in his story that he gave me in this one verse. This is, this is what I see and I pray that God gives you something. I, I don't want to just preach to me. I want God to preach through me. So I, I pray that you'd get something as well. But for me, what I see is in this life as a Christian, you know, now on the other side of salvation, since I've been saved, as a child of God, we're still going to face some difficult circumstances. We're still going to go through some difficult situations. We're still going to live through some hard times in life. But we have the power of God in us, and we have the strength of God with us to get us through every situation that we face. I assure you, if God was enough for the Apostle Paul, he's enough for me and what I go through. I read something last week, and this is what it said. Life is 10% what happens to you, 90% how you react to it. Powerful statement. Life is 10% what happens to you, but it's 90% how you react to it. You know, the world and the Christians are both going through the same thing right now. They're not going anything without that we're not, and vice versa. The, the saved and the unsaved, we're, we're all going through the same thing. Let them see the confidence in us. Let them see the confidence of Christ. I have nothing to fear. The worst thing that can happen to me is I go home to be with the Lord. I mean, how bad can that be? 
Let them see Christ in us. The situation is what it is. We can't change it. It doesn't matter. If God wasn't going to get glory, then God would never allow it. God has something in mind. Perfect example. There's no telling how many hundreds of thousands of people may be watching a live stream on a Wednesday night. Millions of people will be watching a live stream on a Sunday morning. I would venture to say there'll probably be more people watch a live stream Sunday morning than would normally be in the church on a Sunday morning. God has a plan. This didn't slip up on him. Let people see Christ in us. We not worry about things that we can't control. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Well, God bless you. Thank you so much for being here this evening. Hope to see you back Sunday morning, 930 for Sunday school, 1030 for church. Father God, thank you so much for being so incredibly good to us. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for this letter. Thank you, God, Lord, for loving us enough to send something down through times to help us, God. Thank you for letting me see you're enough for the Apostle Paul through some perilous times and some hard situations. And God, you're more than enough to get me through anything that I might go through in this life, God. Lord, I pray for the viewers tonight, for everybody tuned in and watching. God, I pray right now, will you touch them right where they're at? I ask you to touch their house, touch their home, touch their family. God, I pray you'd bless their finances, open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings. God, I pray as we come upon some financial times, God, may you let them see your sufficiency through it all. God, I pray for their health. God, I pray you'd keep them from being sick. Lord, I pray that you would bond families together in this time. And God, above all, God, I pray that you'd strengthen us in you, that when people look, they may see Christ in us and Christ through us. God, we love you. We thank you so much in the precious, sweet, holy name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Love y'all.